Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Good Monday to you, Cleveland Browns fans. Welcome into the Locked On Browns podcast on your Locked On Network. My name is Jared Mueller. I am your host and lover of all things Browns. And I, like many of you, are this morning a little frustrated after another loss by our beloved Cleveland Browns who fell to the Baltimore Ravens yesterday. I attended the game and covered the game for the Orange and Brown Report, and so I can tell you that the feeling in the press box as well as kind of around the field um, was one of uncertainty even as the Browns pulled into that 20 to nothing lead. There just seemed to be this air of expectation that things would actually just fall apart, and they did, right? And so what's interesting is uh, it's kind of that chicken or the egg. Do things tend to fall apart, and so we expect them? Or is there something about the fan base and, um, you know, just kind of us that kind of brings on some of that negative energy? And so uh, I tend to think it's the former, not the latter. But either way, that doesn't mean there isn't a lot of positives to take out of yesterday's game. And so uh, that's kind of what we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on the good, uh, the bad, and maybe a little bit the ugly. And so um, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Browns fans. Thanks for stopping in after this game. Uh, so let's start with the good. The good, the Browns took a 20 to nothing lead. And so on the Baltimore Ravens, a team that has really just uh, – tended to cause the Browns a lot of problems. And so uh, a 20 to nothing lead early in the first uh, quarter, it was impressive. The Browns' play offensively was something that really looked uh, promising. It looked like they could really take over the game with their play. Um, it looked like a team uh, with Hugh Jackson at the helm that really knew what they were going to do or were going to try to do. And so that's just a great thing to see, a team that really – kind of has it all together uh, would be the best um, kind of way of thinking is is a team that seemed to have it together, seemed to have control, seemed to know what they wanted to do. You know, those are things that we're not really used to seeing with the Browns. And so um, just a lot of excitement early in that first quarter. And so we get a 20 to nothing lead. They block our extra point. That happens, right? That's that not, not all the time, but that happens. <laughs> so, they block our extra point, return it for two for two points. I've looked, and I think this is only the second time it's happened since that rule uh, was instituted uh, in 2015. And so it happens, right? So Isaiah Crowell has over 100 yards rushing halfway through the first quarter. Josh McCown looks like he's in control of the offense. And more importantly, Hugh Jackson looks like he had a great game plan put together to put the Browns in position offensively to win. Now, McCown takes a lot of hits, which we'll get to here in a little bit, uh, which started to seem like it was going to impact the, the Browns down the road. But he still looked in control. He looked calm in the pocket. Um, 
and so it'll be interesting down uh, later this week I'm going to compare Robert Griffin III's uh, game one to Josh McCown's game one or first game just kind of get a feel for how they are similar how they were different um, because I, I see a lot of fans saying how much better Josh McCown was um, and I'm not sure that that's as accurate um, I think there's some good things that Josh McCown did and I think he was better at some levels at least statistically than RG3 but I'm not sure um, it's as far and as way different um, based on how things went, how many plays McCown got versus how many plays uh, the Griffin-led offense got uh, in week one against Eagles. So, but McCown looked good. Isaiah Crowell had a very good, uh, with that 85-yard touchdown run, had a very good game. He was looking for the hole. Um, he really pushed, um, pushed, kept his head up, things that we didn't see a lot of last year. So uh, a lot of good from Isaiah Crowell. And then you have Corey Coleman, who had a great game you know it was kind of his breakout game and so something that we as Browns fans aren't used to seeing we actually had a rookie first year rookie wide receiver play awesome right so he was targeted eight times had five receptions for 104 yards and two touchdowns we haven't seen an, a first rounder uh, put out that kind of production in a long time you know Trent Richardson had his moments then he fell off. Parkevius Mingo had his moments, and then he fell off. But Corey Coleman, to have that kind of production after week one where he looked like he could get open but struggled a little bit catching the ball, is really exciting for Browns fans as we look at what the future of the team is going to look like. And so Corey Coleman was definitely a part of the good. And then you have Hugh Jackson, who, while we'll talk a little bit about him in the bad as well, I think Jackson made a lot of uh, adjustments to his game plan around McCown as well as really put the Browns in position to succeed early in the game it's in the adjustments that we might have a little bit of concern but I think Jackson uh, really saw showed a good run pass balance that kept the Ravens defense kind of off their game putting the Browns in position to really control um, all of the first quarter uh, and most of the first half something we haven't seen before. Often we've seen the Browns be controlled. We've seen the other teams kind of dictate how things will go. Uh, in this Early in this game, and even a little bit later in the game, uh, near in the fourth quarter, we saw the Browns with Hugh Jackson's play calling really control the game. And finally, my good, surprisingly my good, is the Browns' defense. The run defense specifically was very good. So the Browns' run defense held the Ravens to a total of 80 yards. Terrence West had 11 rushes for 42 yards. Justin Forsett had 14 rushes for 37 yards. And so the Browns' run defense, something that we were really, really concerned about, actually stepped up. They really did hold their own against a Ravens team that really does want to run the ball and play off of that with Joe Flacco. But because of the Browns' run defense and because of the lead they got, Flacco ended up throwing the ball 45 times, only completing 25 of those passes. But that's because the run defense put them in a position that the Ravens didn't feel comfortable running the ball as much as they normally would. And so I've got to give one of my goods to the Browns' run defense, a, a defense and a part of the Browns that I thought was going to be terrible this year just was not. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. 
For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. For the bad, we can start with the fact that the Browns lost. While the loss was, there was a lot of encouragement when it comes to the good, the fact that the Browns lost again is a bad in and of itself. The other bad that I really want to focus on uh, is Hugh Jackson's play calling. Only nine <clears throat> rushing attempts in the second half. And so the Browns, who want to be a power run game, who got a lot of good yardage out of Isaiah Crowell, had nine rushing attempts in the second half. The reality of that statement is just perplexing to me, especially when you look at the fact that uh, Josh McCown was injured. And so when you have Josh McCown injured, you want to be able to to, uh, protect him by running the ball. Unfortunately, the Browns didn't do that. And so um, that is one of my bads. I think Hugh Jackson got a little ahead of himself, a little too excited with the passing game and didn't protect McCown or the Browns inches without running the ball. My other bad is the Browns' pass defense. While Joe Hayden had two interceptions and looked um, confident again, he rarely uh, put his hands on receivers as they were coming out uh, into their route, something that is really helpful to mess up their timing and to get them out of rhythm. Uh, Hayden and the rest of the secondary, uh, as well as the linebackers, really never made themselves known outside of uh, the two interceptions that Joe had which again are great, but those are only two plays. The rest of the game, they really tended to struggle covering any receiver, especially something that I've pointed out um, when Ray Horton was rehired and have since been worried about, especially on those shallow crossers and the tight ends and fullbacks um, over the middle of the field. They tore apart the Browns' pass defense uh, this week, and so the Browns really have to figure that out. They have to adjust uh, Ray Horton's defense somehow so that shallow crossers and the tight ends and fullbacks aren't killing them on a weekly basis. This week it was Dennis Pitta with nine receptions for 102 yards. And so the bad this week, again, is that they lost the game, Hugh Jackson's play calling in the second half, and the Browns' pass defense, which struggled mightily, especially in those shallow crossers and against the tight ends and fullbacks. And now on to our ugly. And after yesterday's game, even with all the things that I'm excited about and all the positives that we have coming out of that game, there were three ugly things about the game. And so I'll start with the two that are pretty obvious. Uh, The first is the referee's call at the end of the game. Uh, Looking back at the replay, Terrell Pryor seemingly was clearly throwing the ball to the referee, uh, not taunting, throwing it at the, uh, the opposing player but trying to get the ball to the referee who was coming up on the play, who was very, very close to both Pryor and the defender. The fact that they called, he didn't even call that penalty, but the guy behind him called it, and that he didn't talk him out of it uh, is really just ugly. It's it's a poor play. It's a poor judgment call with 10 seconds left in the game. I'm sorry, 21 seconds left in the game at the 10-yard line. It's just a poor play. It's ugly that the referees, again, the Browns had a lot of opportunities to still win the game outside of that, but at the end of the game, for the referees to decide something uh, based on kind of a judgment call that wasn't clearly taunting, even as you look at it from behind, even if you thought he was 
tossing the ball at his opponent. He didn't spike it at him. He didn't even really look at the defender. And so that that's a tough pill to swallow, and it's an ugly call with 21 seconds left. The Browns at the 10-yard line, down five, uh, have an opportunity to score. Would they? Who knows, right? The Browns in the red zone uh, have struggled, but with Andrew Hawkins and Corey Coleman, who can, who have a lot of quickness, Terrell Pryor, who has size, and Gary Barnage's ability at tight end, as well as Isaiah Crowell running the ball, or Duke Johnson out of the backfield, the Browns have a lot of options in the red zone, even though they've struggled. And so the first ugly is the referee's call at the end of the game. Um, the referees seem to be a little bit biased. Uh, the Browns had double uh, the penalties that the Ravens did. On the other hand, young teams tend to struggle with penalties. So it's easy to just look at the numbers and think that the referees were biased. But when we look at that final play of the game, or sorry, the second to last play of the game, obviously that was an ugly, ugly call by the officials. My second ugly is is injury concerns. And so we know that Cameron Irving uh, is in the hospital with a um, bruised lung, uh, with a pulmonary uh, what I forget the exact word, the medical term they use, but a bruised lung with a pulmonary issue. Um, and then you have Josh McCown, who looks a lot like Robert Griffin III looked last week, this week. And so uh, McCown was injured earlier in the game and came back and took a pounding. And it seemed like every one of the hits that he took, he landed right back on that left shoulder. And so not only was he taking hits, but he was taking hits on an already injured shoulder. So we have concerns for just Cameron Irving's health. Um, how many weeks is he going to miss? How bad is his lung? Um, and how much? And then obviously, as long as he's healthy, how much does that set him back? Uh, as a young guy who is uh, struggling, uh, has some good good times, but mostly bad times right now. How far does that set him back? Sitting out um, what is currently projected to be two to four weeks, uh, could be a little less, could be a little bit more. Um, but how much does that set him back? Because playing time is really really important. Um, and so, and then Josh McCown. What happens if McCown is actually uh, seriously injured like Robert Griffin III? Last week at this time, we didn't believe anything was really going to be wrong with RG3. We thought he'd be back uh, this week uh, based on what he said. Um, if not, just missing a, a little bit of time. And at this point, the belief is that he's going to miss the rest of the season. McCown looked very similar this week, and so he wouldn't open his, uh, I'm sorry, he wouldn't lift his left arm at all. Uh, seemed really, really frustrated during his press conference. Kind of talked about uh, his mortality as an NFL quarterback and his time left in the league. And so it's just ugly to see injuries like that, uh, especially for a Browns team who will struggle to win and need some competency at quarterback. Cody Kessler and Kevin Hogan are not ready for that. Um, Kessler especially is not ready uh, from what we've seen. We haven't seen anything of Hogan, um, but expect the Browns to go out and sign another quarterback. Josh Johnson is on the New New York Jets, I'm sorry, New York Giants practice squad, uh, has a familiarity with Hugh Jackson, seems like a good fit. And my final ugly is one that I'll get into on the Orange and Brown Report at the OBR.com. Um, it's Terrell Pryor, and I don't care about that last penalty. Obviously, I believe that was on the refs. But there were at least three instances where Terrell Pryor stopped running routes. Um, he didn't think the ball was coming his way, and so he just stopped. Two of those, including the last interception by Josh McCown, um, almost the first one almost led to an interception, and the last one did. Pryor was running his route, didn't think the ball was coming his way, and just shut it down, um, and McCown looked to lead him. Now, again, that pass was going to be 
the last pass was going to be between like three Ravens defenders, but he threw it up in the air for the big Terrell Pryor with his size, length, and good hands to get the ball. Unfortunately, Pryor stopped running, so the ball looked like it was thrown directly to the Baltimore Ravens. And so for me, that is an ugly that has to be cleaned up for Pryor as a wide receiver. He has to stay engaged. He's not Randy Moss where he can take plays off because he is that great. He needs to stay engaged in the game. He needs to stay engaged in his routes, and he needs to continue to run them. And as we end all of our Lockdown Browns podcast with our listen up, our tune in, and our click on. So first, our listen up. Again, I encourage you to listen to our Lockdown NFL podcast and Lockdown Fantasy podcast. Um, With the Browns season kind of going by the wayside, it's important that we uh, enjoy the rest of football as well. And so the Lockdown NFL podcast um, with Matt Williamson is great. And then the Lockdown Fantasy, if your Brown season feels frustrating, uh, try your fantasy season where you have Robert Griffin III, and then he gets hurt. And then you have Jimmy Garoppolo, and then he gets hurt. And so I'm just waiting for Tom Brady to come back after week four. I don't know who I'm going to start between then and now. Um, but that's what my fantasy season looks like. So listen to Locked On um, NFL and Locked On Fantasy so that you don't have to deal with what I'm dealing with and can make better decisions. For our tune in, tonight's Monday Night Football is the Eagles versus the Bears. Tune in to see um, is Carson Wentz as good as the Browns made him look last week because the Bears aren't that good either. Or um, is he actually uh, someone who's going to struggle as a rookie? And so it can kind of give us a feel for where the Browns are at Uh, based on their week one opponent and how they did. Uh, And then also Monday Night Raw is tonight. And so those those of you who have been listening for a while know I'm a wrestling fan. And so tune into Monday Night Raw, 8 o'clock on the USA Network. And finally, our click on is the Orange and Brown Report. Jump into our forums who where they are really talking about the game a lot, talking about what possible quarterbacks we might sign, the Terrell Pryor flag, just a place to really engage a lot of Browns fans and their thoughts. Uh, if you're a subscriber, you can get some great content from Lane Atkins, who really does have the ear kind of inside the organization. And so you can hear early what they're thinking, what's going on. Um, he had up the RG3 uh, injury earlier than anybody else for our subscribers. And so make sure you check that out. And then obviously you'll have um, some stuff from me and some from Fred Greetham, uh who are at the game. Fred already put up a little piece about Josh McCown and uh, deja vu and some of those kind of things. But you'll have a lot of content from me and Fred over the next couple of days, as well as Andrea Hanks, who will give us some information um, about salary cap and a whole bunch of other things. And our newest writer, Paul Newell, uh, who is starting the process of scouting for the NFL draft already for the Browns. He has a piece up on Deshaun Watson and will continue to study different targets for the Browns, especially at the quarterback position. So again, your listen up is to Matt Williamson's Lockdown NFL podcast, as well as listen up to the NFL, or I'm sorry, the Locked On Fantasy podcast. Make sure you tune in to tonight's Monday Night Football between the Eagles and the Bears. Are the Eagles that good with Carson Wentz, or was it just the Browns defense helping him out? And make sure you click on theobr.com. My name is Jared Mueller. Thank you for stopping into the Locked On Browns podcast. I look forward to your feedback. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks for stopping by, and go Browns.